Chapter One of Elective Affinities. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Elective Affinities by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Chapter One. Edward, so we shall call a wealthy nobleman in the prime of life, had been spending several hours of a fine April morning in his nursery garden, budding the stems of some young trees with cuttings which had been recently sent to him he had finished what he was about and having laid his tools together in their box was complacently surveying his work when the gardener came up and complimented his master on his industry have you seen my wife anywhere inquired edward as he moved to go away my lady is alone yonder in the new ground said the man the summer-house which she has been making on the rock over against the castle is finished to-day and really it is beautiful it cannot fail to please your grace the view from it is perfect the village at your feet a little to your right the church with its tower which you can just see over and directly opposite you the castle and the garden quite true replied edward i can see the people at work a few steps from where i am standing and then to the right of the church again continued the gardener is the opening of the valley and you look along over a range of wood and meadow far into the distance the steps up the rock too are excellently arranged my gracious lady understands these things it is a pleasure to work under her go to her said edward and desire her to be so good as to wait for me there tell her i wish to see this new creation of hers and enjoy it with her the gardener went rapidly off and edward soon followed descending the terrace and stopping as he passed to look into the hot-houses and the forcing-pits he came presently to the stream and thence over a narrow bridge to a place with a walk leading to the summer-house branched off in two directions one path led across the churchyard immediately up the face of the rock the other into which he struck wound away to the left with a more gradual ascent through a pretty shrubbery where the two paths joined again a seat had been made where he stopped a few moments to rest and then following the now single road he found himself after scrambling along among steps and slopes of all sorts and kinds conducted at last through a narrow more or less steep outlet to the summer-house charlotte was standing at the door to receive her husband she made him sit down where without moving he could command a view of the different landscapes through the door and window these serving as frames in which they were set like pictures spring was coming on a rich beautiful life would soon everywhere be bursting and edward spoke of it with delight there is only one thing which i should observe he added the summer-house itself is rather small it is large enough for you and me at any rate answered charlotte certainly said edward there is room for a third too easily of course and for a fourth also replied charlotte for larger parties we can contrive other places now that we are here by ourselves with no one to disturb us and in such a pleasant mood said edward it is a good opportunity for me to tell you that i have for some time had something on my mind about which i have wished to speak to you but have never been able to muster up my courage i have observed that there has been something of the sort said charlotte and even now edward went on if it were not for a letter which the post brought me this morning and which obliges me to come to some resolution to-day i should very likely have still kept it to myself what is it then asked charlotte turning affectionately toward him it concerns our friend the captain answered edward you know the unfortunate position in which he like many others is placed it is through no fault of his own but you may imagine how painful it must be for a person with his knowledge and talents and accomplishments to find himself without employment i i will not hesitate any longer 
with what I am wishing for him. I should like to have him here with us for a time. We must think about that, replied Charlotte. It should be considered on more sides than one. I am quite ready to tell you what I have in view, returned Edward. Through his last letters there is a prevailing tone of despondency, not that he is really in any want. He knows thoroughly well how to limit his expenses, and I have taken care for everything absolutely necessary. It is no distress to him to accept obligations from me. All our lives we have been in the habit of borrowing from, and lending to each other, and we could not tell, if we would, how our debtor and creditor account stands. It is being without occupation which is really fretting him. The many accomplishments which he has cultivated in himself, it is his only pleasure, indeed it is his passion, to be daily and hourly exercising for the benefit of others, and now to sit still with his arms folded, or to go on studying, acquiring, and acquiring, when he can make no use of what he already possesses, my dear creature, it is a painful situation, and alone as he is, he feels it doubly and trebly. But I thought, said Charlotte, that he had had offers from many different quarters. I myself wrote to numbers of my own friends, male and female, for him, and, as I have reason to believe, not without effect. It is true, replied Edward, but these very offers, these various proposals, have only caused him fresh embarrassment. Not one of them is at all suitable to such a person as he is. He would have nothing to do. He would have to sacrifice himself, his time, his purpose, his whole method of life, and to that he cannot bring himself. The more I think of it all, the more I feel about it, and the more anxious I am to see him here with us. It is very beautiful and amiable in you, answered Charlotte, to enter with so much sympathy into your friend's position. Only you must allow me to ask you to think of yourself and of me as well. I have done that, replied Edward. For ourselves we can have nothing to expect from his presence with us, except pleasure and advantage. I will say nothing of the expense. In any case, if he came to us, it would be but small, and you know he will be of no inconvenience to us at all. He can have his own rooms in the right wing of the castle, and everything else can be arranged as simply as possible. What shall we not be thus doing for him, and how agreeable and how profitable may not his society prove to us? I have long been wishing for a plan of the property and the grounds. He will see to it and get it made." You intend yourself to take the management of the estate, as soon as our present steward's term is expired, and that, you know, is a serious thing. His various information will be of immense benefit to us. I feel only too acutely how much I require a person of this kind. The country people have knowledge enough, but their way of imparting it is confused and not always honest. The students from the towns and universities are sufficiently clever and orderly, but they are deficient in personal experience. From my friend I can promise myself both knowledge and method, and hundreds of other circumstances I can easily conceive arising, affecting you as well as me, and from which I can foresee innumerable advantages. Thank you for so patiently listening to me. Now, do you say what you think, and say it out freely and fully. I will not interrupt you. Very well, replied Charlotte. I will begin at once with a general observation. Men think most of the immediate, the present and rightly, their calling being to do and to work. Women, on the other hand, more of how things hang together in life, and that rightly too, because their destiny, the destiny of their families, is bound up in this interdependence, and it is exactly this which it is their mission to promote. So now let us cast a glance at our present and our past life, and you will acknowledge that the invitation of the captain does not fall in so entirely with our purposes, our plans, and our arrangements. I will go back to those happy days of our earliest intercourse. We loved each other, young as we then were, with all our hearts, 
we were parted you from me your father from an insatiable desire of wealth choosing to marry you to an elderly and rich lady i from you having to give my hand without any especial motive to an excellent man whom i respected if i did not love we became again free you first your poor mother at the same time leaving you in possession of your large fortune i later just at the time when you returned from abroad so we met once more we spoke of the past we could enjoy and love the recollection of it we might have been contented in each other's society to leave things as they were you were urgent for our marriage i at first hesitated we were about the same age but i as a woman had grown older than you as a man at last i could not refuse you what you seemed to think the one thing you cared for all the discomfort which you had ever experienced at court in the army or in travelling you were to recover from at my side you would settle down and enjoy life but only with me for your companion i settled my daughter at a school where she could be more completely educated than would be possible in the retirement of the country and i placed my niece ottilie there with her as well who perhaps would have grown up better at home with me under my own care this was done with your consent merely that we might have our own lives to ourselves merely that we might enjoy undisturbed our so long wished for so long delayed happiness we came here and settled ourselves i undertook the domestic part of the menage you the out-of-doors and the general control my own principle has been to meet your wishes in everything to live only for you at least let us give ourselves a fair trial how far in this way we can be enough for one another since the interdependence of things as you call it is your special element replied edward one should either never listen to any of your trains of reasoning or make up one's mind to allow you to be in the right and indeed you have been in the right up to the present day the foundation which we have hitherto been laying for ourselves is of the true sound sort only are we to build nothing upon it is nothing to be developed out of it all the work we have done i in the garden you in the park is it all only for a pair of hermits well well replied charlotte very well what we have to look to is that we introduce no alien element nothing which shall cross or obstruct us remember our plans even those which only concern our amusements depend mainly on our being together you were to read to me in consecutive order the journal which you made when you were abroad you were to take the opportunity of arranging it putting all the loose matter connected with it in its place and with me to work with you and help you out of these invaluable but chaotic leaves and sheets to put together a complete thing which should give the pleasure to ourselves and to others i promised to assist you in transcribing and we thought it would be so pleasant so delightful so charming to travel over in recollection the world which we were unable to see together the beginning is already made then in the evenings you have taken up your flute again accompanying me on the piano while of visits backward and forward among the neighbourhood there is abundance for my part i have been promising myself out of all this the first really happy summer i have ever thought to spend in my life only i cannot see replied edward rubbing his forehead how through every bit of this which you have been so sweetly and so sensibly laying before me the captain's presence can be any interruption i should rather have thought it would give it all fresh zest and life he was my companion during a part of my travels he made many observations from a different point of view from mine we can put it all together and so make a charmingly complete work of it well then i will acknowledge openly answered charlotte with some impatience my feeling is against this plan i have an instinct which tells me no good will come of it you women are invincible in this way replied edward you are so sensible that there is no answering you 
then so affectionate that one is glad to give way to you, full of feelings which one cannot wound, and full of forebodings which terrify one. I am not superstitious, said Charlotte, and I care nothing for these dim sensations merely as such, but in general they are the result of unconscious recollections of happy or unhappy consequences, which we have experienced as following on our own or others' actions. Nothing is of greater moment in any state of things than the intervention of a third person. I have seen friends, brothers and sisters, lovers, husbands and wives, whose relation to each other, through the accidental or intentional introduction of a third person, has been altogether changed, whose whole moral condition has been inverted by it. That may very well be, replied Edward, with people who live on without looking where they are going, but not surely with persons whom experience has taught to understand themselves. That understanding ourselves, my dearest husband, insisted Charlotte, is no such certain weapon. It is very often a most dangerous one for the person who bears it, and out of all this, at least so much seems to arise, that we should not be in too great a hurry. Let me have a few days to think. Don't decide. As the matter stands, returned Edward, wait as many days as we will. We shall still be in too great a hurry. The arguments for and against are all before us. All we want is the conclusion, and as things are, I think the best thing we can do is to draw lots. I know, said Charlotte, that in doubtful cases it is your way to leave them to chance. To me, in such a serious matter, this seems almost a crime. Then what am I to write to the captain? cried Edward. For write I must at once. Write him a kind, sensible, sympathising letter, answered Charlotte. That is as good as none at all, replied Edward. And there are many cases, answered she, in which we are obliged, and in which it is the real kindness, rather to write nothing than not to write. End of chapter 1